0: Man, we, we want the lost here. We want the hurting. We want the addicted. We're not afraid of them. Um, let me share a story just as some parents get back in here. have an old friend, Kevin Deadman. He shared this story. He became a pastor in Southern California on the coast. And a brand new pastor in, uh, elder board ran church. The church had just got brand new carpet. Kevin comes in. He's a surfer. Loves reaching the surfers, and all of a sudden, homeless people start coming to the church, getting saved. Surfers start coming. They're coming barefoot. They're a little dirty. You know, they're a little, a little, a little rough around the edges. And the elders come to Kevin and said, Hey, we, we've got a problem. Okay, what's the problem? Well, you got all these homeless people coming. We got brand new carpet, and they're getting the carpet dirty. Oh, man, that's terrible. Okay, well, you know, I got the perfect solution. You're right. We don't want to dirty the carpet with all these people coming in off the streets. So, yeah, boy, that's a, that's, that'd be a tragic, you know, issue. So we're just going to get rid of all the carpet and just go concrete because we wouldn't want to make any mess. Elder board, all right, never mind. <laughs> that's reality, guys. That's reality that, that some of us, not us, but some folks are so afraid that we might get our church messy. Our life might be messy, something you know somebody messy may come in our home or, or whatever and, and I'm telling you lost people are crying out they need Jesus, they need the love of a father they need they need your love, they need affirmed they need they need just just like brushed off and loved on and and brought to the Lord for an encounter with his goodness. so I love that I was like that's awesome He's like, yep, they never brought anything up ever again. I was like, yes. So, um, man, we've been on a series here, and um, I'm excited to get back into it. But yeah, if you're if you're interested in serving in youth, uh, we're gonna have a short meeting just for any new servants that want to serve uh, just after church. I'll I'll be in there. Um, so let's let's get here. Last week, awesome, baptized folks. If you weren't here, it was epic. Uh, I think we had planned for five, and we ended up with eleven baptisms throughout the service. So that was cool. We dedicated some babies. That was fun. I think at least four babies, and that was just awesome. So fresh life, new creations, new creatures in Christ, uh, really, really fun time. So we're just continuing on the series here. Um, It's kind of a series, but it's just been something that's been on my heart, the last words of Jesus, but we've been calling it simply Jesus. And uh, so today, we've talked about Jesus appeared eight times after the resurrection, so last week, I believe I, I I've mostly confronted uh, the, I think it was the fifth and sixth appearances of Jesus, and today we're honing in on that, that seventh appearance, okay? And we're going to be in John 21, so if you got your Bibles, go to John 21, and uh, here's my intro, and I'm stealing it from Corey, who stole it from his friend. You may have heard of Jehovah Rafi, you may have heard of Jehovah Nietzsche, but have you heard of Jehovah Kellogg? Who provides breakfast for all of us? Not mine. If you hated it, blame Corey. If you loved it, I have repeated it for you. So, uh, but anyway, no, we're, we're calling today Breakfast with Jesus in John 21. So what I'd like to do is we're just simply going to chunk out and do a little at a time, about four chunks of John 21 and then um, love to love to honestly um, facilitate some small group conversations at the end here feels like we've had good ministry time feel like there's been a call to salvation a call to the altar and repentance um, and so many other things so uh, I'm kind of excited just to facilitate a few questions on the screen in some small groups but John 21 we're going to be hanging out here I told Corey this was the last one for me, uh, as far as Simply Jesus, I actually might go one more, maybe around Pentecost Sunday on that eighth appearance, so we may pause it, stop it, and then I may do one more, Simply Jesus' last words here in a few weeks, uh, but at any rate, Corey's going to be speaking next week, right, so that, that's awesome, how many excited for that? Okay, the rest of you will get excited. All right, uh, we're gonna just hone in on verses one through eight for now. All right, so um, John twenty-one, and I'm in NLT today, uh, and so later it says later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened: several of the disciples were there—Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the Twin, Nathaniel from Cana Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, "I'm going fishing. We'll come too," they said. So they went out on the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellas, have you caught any fish? Or or today's language, you had any luck? And how many fishermen we have in here? A a few. We're going to pray for the rest of you. We need some fishermen in here. So Jay, we we need to do some, some education here. But, but modern language, you, you walk up to somebody and let me just, let me just say, you, you say like, had any luck? What, what you're really asking is, have you caught any and what are you using? What's working? And then a good fisherman, no matter what's happening, says, nope, not yet. Have you caught any? Nah, it's been a slow day. Right, Jay? You don't give up your secrets, do you? So, so anyway, so it's like, have you caught any? Moving on. No, they replied. Then he said this He said, Throw your net on the right hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, It's the Lord. <laughs> now this is fun. When Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped to work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore the others stayed with the boat and pulled the load uh the loaded net to the shore for they were only about 100 yards from shore. So we'll, we'll finish we'll move on here in a minute. But it, Peter's a wild man. We've been painting this picture a little bit throughout the last few weeks, but all of a sudden John's like, "It's that was Jesus." And all of a sudden Peter's like, "Gone, boom." Who cares about who's in the boat? Who cares how far it is? Like, I'm gone. Jesus is on shore. I'm out of here, right? so let's just dialogue and process this for a little bit so so they're out there fishing and 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 Jesus is like you guys caught anything and they're like no now I I recently a couple of years ago during COVID there was a spring break a friend of mine who's a pastor is like hey you guys doing anything in a couple of weeks kids were out of school they were they had shut down and I was like well not really the kids are forced to be at home and Nicole's at home and I'm still working at the fire department He's like, well, I have a condo in Florida, and, and I can't rent it out right now. Would you want a week there? And we're like, yes, yes. So go there. I love to shore fish. I love, uh, I love saltwater fishing. I love shore fishing. It's one of my favorite things. I wade in, and, and, I, and I do what they call a Carolina rig. I throw some shrimp on, and I just go to town, right? so I and then but it was in this this condo with mostly retirees all right so I get there I got some poles the girls are coming to the beach and all these old guys are telling me what to use how to fish and I'm like thank you okay thank you and they're like getting mad because I'm not going to listen to their advice so you take that off don't use that this is what works down here we live here we know I was like okay yes sir yes sir and I was I was polite I was like I've already got mine rigged up I'm not going to change it yet But I will if it doesn't work. So the kids come down, and all of a sudden, all those old guys are on the beach. They're all fishing. I'm fishing. And I am just one after the other pulling them in, pulling them in, pulling them in. The kids come down. One of the girls has one of these little poles, and she's pulling them in. And, I mean, we are slaying these things, and the guys, they're starting to get mad. I overhear them saying, even the little girls are catching fish. And they're talking to one another. What's he using? And it's this funny thing. And it's like, that's kind of what's going on here in this story. And now I did end up giving them every fish that was in my cooler. And they were these whiteies because I, I couldn't, I didn't have the stuff to fillet them. And so anyway, they were, they were then happy with me. But until then, they were so mad. They're like, they wanted me to use these fake shrimp. And I was using the real shrimp. Nothing, nothing else does the real stuff, usually. Like, it's, you, can't, you can't counterfeit this stuff. So anyway, this is the story. So they're not catching anything. And it's, and it's amazing how this parallels our life That when we do things on our own how, how much that usually fails Compared to when Jesus is saying Do this, do that, try this How, how many are, are with me Like You've tried to do it on your own And it doesn't go anywhere You try to do things your own way And, and, and simply, like if you picture Even if it was a very large fishing boat With these large nets that, that span across One side to the other Shouldn't make all that much of a difference, does it? But it's the simple act of obedience that makes the difference. All of a sudden, and, and it's this, this nudge, it's this, it's this provision, like they didn't even yet know it was Jesus at that point. They heard this, at this point, he was just a man on the beach saying, hey, try the other side. Now, I, I think maybe inherently, there was something in them that maybe recognized the voice of Jesus, and they just were obedient and submissive to that. But, but here's the deal. In our life, how many times has God gone before us or given, this, the, given us these nudges or, or had, us, had us delay or, or do this little thing in our house, and then we get on the interstate and right ahead of us was an accident? It's these provisions, it's, it's, these, it's these delays or these things that, that maybe we don't even recognize It's the voice of the Lord, but it's these nudges that's training us to hear the voice of the Lord, to know it's him, to change the course and trajectory of life. So many times that's, that's happened to me, that, that there's been this provision, this protection, or even this, this idea of, of, of this purpose that something happened that I didn't even know it was the Lord. Before I got saved, I had this moral compass in me, and I had these things that were protecting me. I used to be around drugs. I used to be around all these things. And there was something that I had, I had no spiritual conviction of it, just to be really honest with you. I had, no, I had no thing against it. I had nothing like consciously that I didn't want to do that. I've done so, so many crazy things and then all of a sudden there'd be this protection. There'd be this wall. There'd be this thing that stopped it from happening or stopped this. I was supposed to move to Wisconsin. I was supposed to do that. Like all these things were happening, and suddenly something just changed or some other seed or wedge or something little happened. And I look back now, you know, 20 to 25 years later, and everything that was happening in that life was changing or this dot to this dot instead of this one. I look back now, and it was the provision of the Lord protecting me and guiding me. And that's the same thing. It's just that net on the other side. Now, now let me just, for the sake of the rest of the story, there's another illustration of fish. Fish represent souls. They represent the harvest. Corey, they represent people coming to know Jesus. A lot of times when the Bible mentions fish, it's, it's fishers of men. It's, it's souls. It's, it's the harvest. It's people, right? And then it says, we're going to get in here. Let's, let's just continue on if that's okay. So we're going to carry on with verse 9. It says this. It says, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've got, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard. Now, he wasn't opposed to work. If you know, Peter was actually very athletic. He was a hard worker. So he goes on board, and it says, and, and uh, dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Meaning there were so many fish that that had torn the net. I feel there's some symbolism in this that there is a large harvest out there, and the churches—they're ready. There's a foundation. There's something that the Lord has been doing and, and has done since, the, since time, right? That the church is ready for the harvest. That, that there's supposed to be these homes. I love how Jesus said, it's ti- or Corey said, "It's time to come home to Jesus." Like, like come, ho- come home. We don't live here, but we call it home because it's a place of family. It's a place of safety. It's a place of freedom. It's a place of celebration, right? It's a place of connection and community. That's what church is. It was not supposed to be established as a corporation in the realm of business. It was was established for a family to come together who are like-minded, who have a, a father in common. His name's Jesus, But it says the nets didn't didn't tear. There were so many fish. And I feel like that's the thing. There is a foundation in the church right now of what's been happening, especially in this moment of time for this culture. (laughs) We're ready. Like, we're ready. There is a foundation. There is a structure. There's an infrastructure here that is Jesus. If we bring people into a messed up culture, they're going to get messed up hurt people hurt people but there is something that the lord has done at least in upper room that our first ministry is unto jesus that there's been this establishment that our hearts to him that we want to host his presence that we want him to be center stage not some program not some production but simply jesus and when he's the center I'm telling you, people will be transformed. People will be set free. Addiction will fall. Death, suicide, depression will go. John 10.10 says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There, there's been a spirit of death and, and all these things that have been happening the last couple of weeks. But Jesus, it says, let, let's read the best part of that verse. But Jesus came to give life and What? life more abundantly he is the god of life he is the savior of life he he is life let me let me move on to some points here so they they come to shore all right and the first first thing was kind of like that thing with the nets like like there is an establishment here that jesus is in the center that the harvest needs to come into his beautiful amazing love and presence and encounters with him all right? So, so they, get this, they get to this place, and, and it says that the breakfast was ready. It was cooking on these coals, and there was a fire, and fish was cooking, and then there was some bread. And, and I think it's cool. Every time, like, I, I love fire in the Bible. Fire represents his presence. Fire, he's an all-consuming fire. Fire is this powerful realm of who Jesus is, right? But it's also this thing of connection. If you think of a fire, the purpose that it serves is to cook food. Per, uh, fire restores forests. It's these things that there are good and important things of fire. But then there's also this recreation fire, right? And it draws people in. It's this community. It's this sense of connection and recreation. And, and we're cooking hot dogs or marshmallows or we're just hanging out, maybe listening to music. And I think that's the realm here that it's the fire of his presence, but he's connecting with the fellas here. He's hanging out. And they're having breakfast and they just had this amazing catch. And now he's like, bring some fish up, bring the catch up. And now there's this fish cooking over this fire and now there's the bread. Now I believe he's setting a precedence here because now there is a new precedence that it's not bulls and rams of a sacrifice of a burning altar, right? But now it's the sacrifice that he, the bread, his body became the sacrifice for all humanity, the fish. And they're connecting over this fire. It's a new paradigm now because he was just crucified and resurrected. So no longer do we have to bring a blood sacrifice to the temple on the altar of, of incense, altar of sacrifice. He is the sacrifice. His body became the sacrifice for the atonement of all humanity and all sins and everything. And now they're hanging out at this fire and they're sharing this meal and they're having breakfast. And now he goes into this exchange with Peter. So let's move on. Verse 15 through 17. Let me hydrate for the rest of this. Let's see if we can do John 21 in 21 minutes here. All right. Verse 15. It says, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Now, now let, me, let me read through this. There's a couple versions of love here, okay? There's two versions. There's, there's basically like a filial love, and it's, it's an affectionate friendship love. And then there's agape love that's being used here, and I'll tell you you kind of what's going on. And so Jesus is saying, do you agape love me? Do you love me more than everyone, more than anything, an unconditional, unprecedented, greatest love of all? Do you love me in that way? And Peter's saying, yes, I love you affectionately as a friend. Let let me share a story. first couple years of my relationship with Leif Hetland, um, it was like his birthday or something. He's Norwegian, so I did Google Translate and I was like, I love you, happy birthday, something like that. He, he, he sends a message back laughing so hard. Because in Norwegian, there's also different types of love. So I had sent him, I sexually love you and want sexual relations with you. So it became this funny thing that I didn't realize that. So just like not just like that, even though there is that version of love in the Bible as well. Um, here we're having these different versions of love. And, and, and Jesus is saying, do you agape love me? And Peter's saying, yes, I friend affectionately love you. All right? Then he says, okay, then feed my lambs. Everybody say lambs. We'll get to that in a second. Jesus told him, Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you agape love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I affectionately friend Filio love you Then take care of my sheep Everybody say sheep Sheep. Jesus said a third time He asked him Peter do you now Filio love me He's now changed it To the love that Peter was, was using And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked The question a third time he said Lord you know everything you know that I love you Jesus said Then feed my sheep Everybody say sheep. There's some big things happening right here. Okay, first off, how many times did Peter deny Jesus? How many times did Jesus just ask if he loved him? What appearance is this to the group of disciples since the resurrection? Three. What day did Jesus raise from the dead? There's something happening here. Now Peter gets hurt because he's asked him a third time, but yet he denied Jesus three times. There's a lot of symbolism here. So then he's saying, okay, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then feed my lambs. Feed the young. Don't forget about the young. Don't forget about the pre-believers. Don't forget about the lost, Cory. Don't forget about the young ones, the immature ones. Okay, all right. Well, do you love me? Yeah, yeah, Jesus, I, I, I love you. I love you within the capacity that I could love right now. Okay, all right. Then take care of my sheep Take care, feed, feed the sheep Feed feed the mature ones Feed the ones that are in church Don't forget about the ones that are serving the Lord already Okay, do you love me? Yes, now we're on the same page I love you, Jesus Okay, then take care of them Take care of all of them not, don't, don't leave one group out don't, don't leave the outsiders out Don't leave the down and outers out Don't leave the outcasts out Don't leave the ones that, that are looked down upon out Or don't leave the ones that have been faithful And been here forever out I think as a church Sometimes we, we pick and choose Which ones we're going to go after We want to go after the new We want to go after the, the, the pre-believers Or we want to go after the young generation But then we forget Of who's been here and running with us And who still needs fed as well the same thing, I, I had a friend say once, don't become so externally focused that you become inwardly bound. But don't become so inwardly focused you become externally bound. It's this focus to where it's this balance of feeding both. And, and, and so, so this, this amazing thing of, of Peter's heart and Jesus' heart and this connection here. But here's the thing, now what happens is, now Peter's being commissioned. So let's, let's, let's read on here to verse 25 says i tell you the truth when you were young you were able to do as you liked you dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go but when you were old you will stretch out your hands i want to i want to paint a picture here later on peter's death was a crucifixion and and basically he had asked that he would be crucified upside down to honor jesus's crucifixion that it wouldn't be the same Will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, Here is the key for today. Follow me. Two words simple instruction, but extraordinary outcome. Follow me. Peter turned around. And saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked the Lord, Who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, What about him, Lord? Jesus replied, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die, but that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? Stay in your lane, bro. It's kind of what he's saying. Like Peter and I were having this exchange. Don't, don't, don't take, don't change my words or, or take it to what I'm not saying. Stay in your lane, bro. That, that's kind of what's happening here. Let me let me just read on to finish this. The disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here, and we know that his, that his account of these things is accurate. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that could be written in. Not a series of books could contain all of what Jesus did. There was so much more than just this. So here, here's, here's, here's some of the deal. I, I, I feel like there's a lot going on here. So Peter's forgiving, Jesus is forgiving Peter. They're having this exchange. So then he's preparing him for the future. He's, he's essentially commissioning him. And this is beautiful because I'm sure by now, Peter was walking in shame. There was probably this guilt. I was the one that denied him and all these things, right? And now Jesus is like even protecting him in this conflict with John saying, hey, I'm having this thing. Mind your business. You know I love you. You you know you're the one that I love. But Peter right now needs this restoration. Peter needs this reassurance. Peter, Peter needs to be prepared, Now, now it's amazing that that form of love that Peter couldn't communicate after he received an encounter with the Holy Spirit used it nine other times in the Word. Agape love. His Spirit transforms us. But until His Spirit gets in us, we actually can't agape love. Because we're still so focused on us, on me. But all of a sudden, when God gets inside of us and Jesus transforms us, we think of others and we get to see the lost how Jesus sees the lost. Not as dirty, not as worthless, but as worthy and beautiful and with purpose and amazing. Let let me let me finish some of this out. There's this conflict going on, and and Peter and Jesus already had this conflict. Peter denied him. Like that's a big deal. Denied him three times. And now Jesus is having this exchange, and there is power in conflict. I, I often say you don't know if you have covenant unless you have conflict. It's not tested until you actually disagree. Josh and I—we were friends for a couple years, and we were were close, but then we had some conflict, and we disagreed on something here, two, three, four years ago maybe, and then all of a sudden we we got closer. Let me let me give you a story. My friend Jamie Van Gelder—he's a pastor in Minnesota. He came here once, and and we had a meeting upstairs, and it was a a meeting for leaders, and I had recorded the meeting. And, uh, but I had to leave to come get service started and different things. And uh, so I had accidentally left my phone up there. And it was continuing to record. And, and a couple years later, like a year later, it was one year later, I went back and I was listening to that leader meeting and just some of the things he shared. He shared some prophetic words, uh, he shared some of his heart with our team. And then, so I listened to And then all of a sudden, it continued. And then he was meeting with somebody else. And, he was, and there were some things that were happening and being shared there that, that were inaccurate. And some things that actually weren't true. This person believed they were, and, and to them they were, but that isn't actually what happened. So, but then there was this conversation that happened that as a pastor, I should have been brought in on, and I wasn't. So I called Jamie. I'm like, hey, I, I, I accidentally stumbled upon this recording, and you had said some things that I didn't really agree with. And now, now <laughs> that takes some courage, doesn't it? I'm not bragging on myself, but I was offended, I was hurt, and I felt like there was an injustice as well as there was something that was probably just not good. So, knowing biblically what I'm supposed to do is what? Go directly to him. Do I go to anybody else? Do I talk bad about him? Do I, do I share that with anybody? Do I, do I just complain about it behind his back? Do I just never invite him? Do I close that door and say, nope, no longer friends? No, because that's not what the Bible says So I have this conflict I'm like, hey Jamie, here's what happened Here's what I heard, here's what I didn't like Here's what I need Here's my feelings Oh man, I am so sorry He's like, I had no idea that wasn't true I, ha- I remember the conversation And we had this heart-to-heart And you know what that did to our relationship Whew, We got so much closer He called me more we, we grew closer in that conflict. Josh and I grew closer in that conflict because there's something about this conflict that brings you in, and it's health. Now, if the point of conflict is just to point out flaws, that's not conflict. <laughs> that's condemnation. But the point of conflict is to share each other's hearts and to share where each other can grow and to make these agreements to say, you know what? Love is going to penetrate this right now, and I'm going to work on this. Could you work on this? And we're going to grow closer. That's the conflict that Peter and Jesus was having. And now even Jesus with John, like there's this conflict and there's these, there's these clear boundaries, right? There's these clear expectations and now they go. So there's power and conflict when it's done healthy. You'll learn more about that in Josh's class. But I need to move on to get to this power statement mentioned a couple times here at the end of John as I, as I finish. The, the, um, whoever's coming up for the band can come up. <clears throat> Follow me In verse 19 Then Jesus told him Follow me That's powerful It's simple But it's powerful It, 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 it kind of sums up The kingdom It's a simple instruction But it's the answer to everything in the kingdom If you think about Matthew 6.33 It says seek first the kingdom of God And his righteousness A.K.A follow me and all these things will be added unto you right if you go to psalm 37 4 we, we oftentimes leave out the beginning of this but psalms 37:4 it eventually says he'll honor the desires of your heart how many have quoted that without the beginning he'll honor the desires of your heart i pray and i declare right now in the name of jesus that god will honor the desires of your heart the first part of that says as you delight yourself in the lord aka what you guys will catch on delight yourself in the lord follow me and i'll honor the desires of your heart because it is impossible for him not to honor the desires of your heart when your heart is in him when your delight is in him when your focus is in him when you're seeking the kingdom and his righteousness is him and following him it's impossible for him not to honor the desires of his heart because of your heart because they're him The, the last verse i'll share matthew 16 Matthew 16, 24 through 28. Actually, I've got one more verse after this. It's not the last. It says this. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and what? Follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Find it. We saw some of that happening last week in that baptismal there were people losing their life to find him they were losing their life their old life their old nature their past to take on the new life the new creation the new creature in christ because they're now following him for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul or what shall a man give in return for his soul for the son of man is going to come with his angels In the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. What is it to gain the whole world if you lose your soul? What is it to gain that wealth if we lose our soul in the process? What is it to gain that new house, that that American dream, right? If we lose our family and their salvation or whatever in the process. What is it to pursue some of the things that are materialistic or some of the things of this world or some of the things of my selfish desires if we lose ourself, Christ in us, in the process? Let me, let me finish with this. And the last verse says there's not a series of books that can contain all of what Jesus did. But I wanna, I wanna just, I wanna nudge you to say that what, what we may on earth think is impossible is certainly possible for God. The radical prayers to see cancer flee, the radical prayers to see blind eyes open, deaf ears open, back straighten up, depression go, suicide go, like marriage is restored, desolate things come back to life. Like, like the impossible for us is so possible with God. John 14:12 says this, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And it says this, and greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. So let me, let me just connect this dot here. Not a series of books can contain all of what Jesus did because he did so much, but he's saying greater things we can do. If you're not seeing miracles, you're probably not praying for them. If you're not seeing people get healed, you're probably not praying for people to get healed and laying hands on them. Because I know this, if you pray enough, it's gonna happen. There may be failures. There may be things that aren't healed. There may be things that don't happen. There may be things in the timing or the way you're doing it that may, may not happen the way you think it should or will or whatever. But if you're praying enough and you're taking enough risk, you will see something. And let me just say this, it takes the same amount of the power of the blood of Jesus to heal a headache as it does to raise somebody from the dead or cancer to leave a body. Because let me just say this If something's happening in that body And it takes a, a supernatural manifestation to change it that's the same power of his spirit doing that As if it was something small to something big Amen. So go into the same level of faith Healing a stubbed toe or, or a crooked toe As you would somebody walking out of a wheelchair Pretty cool when you, when you get to see these things I'll just share one I was in the back of an ambulance a few years ago, and there was a guy that was one of our trash guys, Zach. And he had had seizures and had all these things happening. He couldn't work. And, and he fell off the truck. He fell in some way doing his job. And it was his first day back on the job for, I think, a year or two. And his arm was broke, and it was mangled, and it was, it was backwards and deformed. And I'm the medic, and I'm like, oh, man, he's just upset. He's more upset about not being able to work now and provide for his family and, and just be off more than he was about the pain or the issue going on. I mean, it was mangled. And I was like, I get in the back of the ambulance. I'm like, man, do you, do you, he had a cross or something on. I was like, you believe in Jesus? He's like, yeah. I was like, you believe he can heal you? Yeah. I was like, let's pray. So I grab his arm, shoulder area, and I was like, just praying. I was gentle. I didn't Smith wiggles worth it and like pull it, drop, kick it, try to reset it. Nothing like that. Super gentle. Like, like real gentle. I was like, in Jesus' name, love your son. Pop. The whole thing just went straight back in place. Just a pop. We heard it. We saw it. He went to the hospital, had x-rays. Absolutely nothing was wrong. He was back to work. That's the power of Jesus. Would God have still healed that if I didn't pray? Maybe. But I wouldn't know if I didn't. The, you can't mess this up, guys. Just revealing the love of Jesus, whatever that is to the person in front of you. I heard Heidi Baker say, you want to change the world, love the person in front of you. You want to save the entire world, just try by the first person in front of you. Love them, whatever they need. Maybe they just need encouragement. Maybe, maybe they need joy. Maybe they need a smile. Maybe they need somebody just to hold the door for them. Maybe they need prayer. Maybe they need saved. Maybe. Just meet them where they're at and love them really, really well. Lead them to the most loving father, creator, savior, healer that's on the face of this planet. His name's Jesus. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to break out into some groups, okay? And, uh, and if you need to leave, uh, you can kind of leave and just avoid this part. But sermon's done, so we're just going to pray. But um, I'm just going to pray right where you're at. Just hold your hands out. Jeff did this at chapel the other day. I, re- I really liked it. And after this, Jeff's going to come up here and lead us in a dance choreography that I also learned on Friday at Troy Christian's chapel. So no, but hold your hands out. I, I, I want the faith to do more than what Jesus did. And I'm not saying I'm going to be crucified for your sins. That's not what I'm saying. I, I'm saying there's going to be more works through me than what could be even be recorded, right? That's the promise. Some of those creative things are like when Catherine Toll was here and we prayed for her and she had metal in her foot and couldn't move and couldn't dance and couldn't have full mobility in her foot. All of a sudden we pray for her. The metal literally dissolved and disappeared. She got full mobility. She went back to the doctor and there's no metal in her foot anymore. It's weird. But God calls us a peculiar people and he must be a pretty peculiar God because he created us in his image. Stuff's weird, but he's good, and I can't explain it. That's why it's called supernatural. I can't explain it. That's why it's called a miracle. I didn't do it. But these are the things. So maybe that's greater things, because they didn't have metal and bodies back then. So maybe those are some of the greater things that we're going to get to witness on this earth that Jesus didn't witness. Maybe it's just the types of miracles. Anyway, so Jesus, I pray for the faith for the greater things. I ask for faith, God. I ask, Lord, we've asked for your heart today. Now I ask for your faith. I ask for your faith because you go to the Father on our behalf. And Lord, I pray that you put a desire in us to follow you, to follow you. Just ask that in your own way, in your simple way. Just, Lord, let me follow you. The most simple two words in the Bible follow me. So, Jesus, we ask that we, we have the faith, the trust, the obedience to cast nets to the other side, to love you, to unconditionally love you, to follow you, Jesus to have breakfast with you and, and know that we're fishers of men, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Let us follow you. In Jesus' name.